This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So I have a confession to make. I love turnaround stocks. These are the companies that run into some trouble. Wall Street gets spooked. Then the stock goes out of favor. But then there's a plan in place to turn it around. But how can you tell if the turnaround plan is real or if that's just a bunch of hot air and like a last gasp? These are the difficult things with turnaround stocks. So I'm going to give you four tips that will help you, I think, to weed the good turnarounds from the bad because um, it is easy to get sucked into the bad turnarounds for sure. So this time a year ago, I had to pick out a stock for my top stock pick of the year for this contest that goes on on InvestorPlace.com. And they usually have 10 uh, people pick one stock for the year and then they track them throughout the year. And we would write updates every quarter on like what the stock was doing, you know, what how the company was performing. And then you would do it all again the next year. So in December 2017, I was looking around to pick my stock for that year. And the year prior, I had picked Ulta, which actually started off real hot in 2017 and then went into a nosedive. So I did not win the contest in 2017. Let's just put it that way. I think someone had NVIDIA that year. And that ran away with the the whole thing. But the, the next year, so a year ago, I was like, man, kind of demoralized after the Ulta experience and looking around for what else I wanted to do going into 2018. So I ended up picking Etsy. And that was because I do like the turnaround stocks and Etsy at that time was in the middle of a big turnaround. So let's step back and uh, look at Etsy's history, why I chose it, because this is kind of a good, uh, it'll give you good ideas about how to look at turnaround stocks and what went on that was right with this one. So Etsy's story really began in May 2017 when they announced a first quarter loss and then they cut 8% of the workforce. And then they also replaced the CEO. Now, this CEO at Etsy had been there for six years. He had guided the company through its 2015 IPO. So he had been building it since it went public. And um, after they went public, they hired a bunch of people. They built this really beautiful headquarters building in Brooklyn where they like spared no expense. They did kind of the startup thing with like the um, d- deluxe drinks that were free to all the employees in the, re- in the you know, firm kitchens. They had like, you know, artists come in and play music and like there's just things like that, like a lot of like really good perks. And that was kind of what was expected of a company like at Etsy in what was then being called like the hipster Brooklyn area, right? But this wasn't working so well when by 2017 they were reporting losses and they were no closer to, you know, actually being 
an outstanding company, let's put it that way. So the board of directors got annoyed. They replaced the CEO with someone off the board and he came in and it was not a good time for anyone at Etsy. By June, um, a little bit after the new CEO was in, they did another round of layoffs for about a total of 22 or 23% of the company. It was 230 employees. So that was a major morale um, downer, let's just put it that way. And they instilled a turnaround plan um, to try to get back on track that was pretty severe. It was like a culture shock to those who were working there who remained. And so things were pretty awful at Etsy by the summer of 2017. But by November of that year, the New York Times was writing articles. They had one that was called Inside the Revolution at Etsy. So you could see that the turnaround part of the story was starting to take place. Now, they were still putting the strategy in place. They had these key initiatives that they decided to launch. And that was, I'll just list them out. They were going to improve their searching capabilities on the site because you can never find anything. They were improving customer service. They were going to get competitive on shipping. And they were going to do new marketing, such as some TV marketing and um, things like that, that they weren't doing before. And so they put this in place, but it's one thing to put it in place and another thing to actually do it, to execute it. So Wall Street was still dubious by the end of 2017 that any of this was going to work. And rightly so, because turnaround stocks are inherently risky. Sometimes they, the turnaround works, sometimes it doesn't. So as I was picking this stock, though, I was struck that they were doing some things differently over the holiday season, and that included doing some free shipping uh, initiatives that they never did before. They participated in Black Friday and like Cyber Monday, which they never did before, and they were doing some marketing things that I really liked. So... By um, 2018, so I picked it as my stock, and then by 2018, some of these initiatives did start to work. And by the third quarter of this year, by November of this year, revenue was up 41.3% year over year. And the company announced a 200 million stock repurchase program. The active buyers on the site by the third quarter of this year were up 17.2%. The active sellers were up 8%. And they had increased their marketing budget and were very well situated for this current holiday season. Now, one of the things with Etsy that was really dragging it down during this whole turnaround period was the fear of Amazon. Now, I felt like that fear was overblown. So you might remember Amazon launched a couple of years ago a a site within their site called Amazon. I think it's Handmade is the name. It's their marketplace with, um, you know, artist type uh, products that they were selling. And everybody immediately thought when they launched it, because it's Amazon, that, oh, Etsy is doomed. 
Amazon's going into their market, they won't be able to compete. But people forget really how strong Etsy's brand really is. They were the first in on the creative marketplace, the creative online shopping, and they never relinquished that brand identity as being the place to go if you're going to buy like a homemade um, artist type product and, you know, something unique and handmade. And so that was a big driver of one of the reasons that I bought uh, or suggested people should buy because I never bought it for myself, unfortunately. Um, But that's why I picked Etsy for 2018 as my, my top stock pick. I thought that Wall Street was just way too negative on where this company was going. And it turned out that I got it right. And now Etsy in 2018 is up 165% year to date. I'm I'm well at the towards the top of the contest this year, which I'm happy about after my my poorer showing last year. But it uh, was just a great turnaround story. Now it's no longer cheap. The stock, it never really got into value territory, but it was much cheaper. I think it was trading around 25 times or something during some of the darker times. And now it has a forward P of 66. So it's clearly back into the growth category. And everybody is thinking about the longer term growth with this company. And it's basically kind of no longer a turnaround, at least not from what we've been hearing so far. They're still doing their initiatives. They're still making changes, but the actual turnaround period is well underway now. So are you going to get this lucky every time you buy a turnaround? No, I wish we could. (laughs) Um, This was just being in the right place at the right time with this company. But I'm going to go through some steps with some other stock examples Uh, to give you some ideas of things you might want to consider when you're buying your own turnaround, because I do think there's some key tips and things that you should be looking for when you're looking at the turnaround, because they're not all the same. Okay, so the first one is you have to find the turnarounds. How do you do that? Some of them you just hear about, or it's a company you've already been following, so you kind of know that it's doing the turnaround. But believe it or not, I usually find the turnarounds by looking at the Zach's rank number five stocks. Now, those number fives are the strong cells, and those um, can hide the turnarounds because when things get really bad, obviously, analysts cut the estimates. When there's uh, a guidance warning or a management change and things... Uh, They have to withdraw the guidance for the year because they have new management in who is doing changes. A lot of those things lead to the estimate cuts, and then you get the number five strong sell. So I kind of start there to see if I can find any that I maybe was not aware of, that I'm not totally following myself. And then you do have to dig deeper in the news to find out why it has the Zach's number five rank and whether or not some of these other things that I'm about to talk about are present as well, because not all number fives obviously are turnarounds. So that's where I start. I start at the number fives. Then a second thing I look for is obviously the change in management, especially a new CEO. A lot of times you'll get a CFO that leaves and that can have some signals too, but The CFO doesn't put in the strategy for the entire company like the CEO does. So when they 
change the CEO, that's a sign that a turnaround is probably in the making because that person's going to come in with hopefully, probably a whole new strategy. So let's consider one company that has gone through several CEO changes to see um, kind of where, why I think that might be a turnaround, and that's JCPenney. And that ticker is JCP, of course. Now, you'll remember they brought in Ron Johnson from Apple. He was in Apple marketing and worked on the Apple stores. And they brought him in and it wasn't good. And that's where he tried to change basically the whole culture of what JCPenney was with its um, couponing and other things. And it did not work. That strategy completely failed. So he was ousted. Marvin Ellison came in from Home Depot. This was a couple of years now. He did seem he had to turn around plan and it did seem like the company was turning around. They got back into positive earnings growth and um, sales started to turn around, but then it slid back. (laughs) The turnaround faltered in this case, and now he's out and they brought in um, Jill Soltau. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but she's from Joanne Stores and she just started. So she's only been in there about a month, maybe a month and a half now. And she said she needs more time to get her turnaround strategy in place, but there will be one coming. She will be announcing that uh, probably on the next quarter, right around that conference call. So we're going to get a new strategy at JCPenney. But the question is, is that going to work? Um, And I'm going to get a little bit more into that and some of the other things to look for. But so JCPenney is one of the ones that has this component. And I believe it's been a number five recently. I would have to look to see if it is when I didn't check this one um, before the podcast, but it's it's certainly been number five quite a bit in 2018. So the rank has not been the problem here. Then another one you might want to consider um, to be in this with the new CEO is Papa John's. That ticker is PZZA. And if you remember here, the founder and the largest shareholder left He was ousted and now you have a new CEO in there and he also has outlined the strategy, the turnaround strategy, because this is what they do. And that was in May 2018. So he outlined uh, five steps to revive the brand. They've launched a new loyalty program at Papa John's. And so we're in the midst of just the beginnings of the turnaround here with this one with Papa John's. So that's also one to watch. Shares aren't too cheap of Papa John's right now. The PE is around 30 times. So and this is a number five. So um, it has some of these characteristics of the turnaround, but not super cheap yet. So I'm keeping an eye on this one for some of the reasons I'm about to outline next in what to look for. So the third tip I would give you is the company must have a strong brand. So an example of one that no longer does is Sears. Some of you might be thinking like, oh, there might be a turnaround there, but they just declared bankruptcy. That's never good. And the this one, I feel like the brand is not really strong enough to have the turnaround. The consumer is no longer emotionally attached to Sears. They used to be, they're not anymore. So to me, it's impossible to do a turnaround if you no longer have any kind of 
connection to the product. Obviously, you still need that in order to succeed. Etsy, remember, had the connection. Plenty of people were using the site. Um, They still had plenty of sellers. The Etsy brand was strong among the public's mindset. And so that all worked in their favor when they put the initiatives in to make their product stronger. Sears does not have the same thing. Compare it to a company like Lululemon, however. Lululemon also has done the new CEO turnaround thing. And they just got another new CEO in July of this year, July 2018. So this could be a turnaround as well. He was appointed, and I saw this in all the headlines, to, quote, fix the culture, unquote, He came from Sephora, so he has retail experience um, with the similar market. And this turnaround is also progressing. So we're waiting to see. But Lulu, I believe, still has the strong brand. They never lost the brand with the public. The public still has a connection with the company. They still go to their stores for the yoga. They still have the yoga classes. So all of that branding still remains really, really strong. So look for that in the turnarounds, look for companies or products that the company makes that still has a strong brand. And then the fourth tip is really to look out for the clearly laid out strategy. Like I said about Papa John's, the CEO has put out like the five initiatives of the turnaround plan. So you can see, you can track yourself exactly what are they doing. And Etsy on the conference calls over the last year, first they laid out the plan and then on every conference call, they would give an update on like, where do we stand on the plan? And they would go through each of the initiatives like this is what we did this quarter on these initiatives and where the improvement or not improvement was and what we still need to work on. So that's what I like to see because you have to be moving towards the goal in the turnaround. It can't just be kind of cloudy and murky and, oh, we're doing better, but, you know, we're not totally sure. No, you have to have the clear goals laid out and moving towards that goal. So another company that has this kind of scenario that I like a lot because it's so clear is Asina Retail Group. Their ticker is ASNA. Most of you might know it better by some of the brands that they have. Uh, They are the parent of Ann Taylor and The Loft, as well as Dress Barn and Maurice's and Justice on the kids' side. And they have been struggling with the whole retail struggle that's going out there, especially in apparel side and with the shopping malls the traffic there not being quite as good. So they too have been in the turnaround. They've been laying out initiatives about how to improve each brand. They are launching things like a loyalty program at Justice, which is turning out to be um, very good for them. They're finding that that loyalty program is working. They have launched newer outlet uh, locations for Ann Taylor and The Loft that are not taking business away from both of their premier brands. So people aren't shopping now at the outlet malls versus the premier brands. So you like that. And they've been laying out perfectly on the conference calls what each segment is doing and what is working and what isn't and how much more improvement they still need to do in this turnaround strategy. 
Now, this stock is under $5, but it's not exactly cheap on a P.E. ratio still. It has a P.E. of 39 times. So that part is a little challenging on the valuation if you're looking for a true value stock because not every turnaround is an actual value, as I said. So um, just because the stock slides down or is out of favor doesn't make it value based on classic fundamentals. But um, we still like to look at them because sometimes it does. (laughs) And sometimes... As a value investor, we just like to buy the turnarounds. So Asina is one that has laid out that strategy. But let's look at a a couple others that um, just because the stock has fallen down doesn't necessarily mean the turnaround is working or that they even have a turnaround or that it fits in the turnaround type of scenario. So one that I like to point out is SNAP. So the ticker is S-N-A-P and they don't really fit into some of these um, criteria that I'm laying out here. So they have the same management. They haven't changed CEOs or or anything on that. So the captain of the ship is still the same. And the last I heard, I don't think they have any new strategy or turnaround plan that's like laying out initiatives that I've seen that, um, you know, is going to send them in a new direction. So to me, Snap is not yet a turnaround stock, no matter how much it's sold off since its IPO. And then another one that I feel is not really good turnaround play is Blue Apron. APRN is that ticker. They did get a new CEO, but that was in November 2017. So over a year now, They're trying to um, solve their problems there, but some of that is just basically the really competitive business that they're in (laughs) and that um, I don't think anyone can turn it around at Blue Apron as a standalone business. But um, that's one that I'm not thinking that the turnaround is going to succeed there. And then I know you're all thinking, well, what about GE? Does this fit into the turnaround scenario? So I looked at the criteria that we just laid out for that one. And it's kind of interesting here. The the stock, remember, is hitting new um, multi-year, multi-decade lows. It, it still is, even when I am recording this as Wall Street and just the mom and pop investors are finally throwing in the towel. We could be seeing some capitulation here in these shares. But let's look at the criteria. So GE has been a Zach's number five sell, a strong sell for a while now. And um, so that hasn't changed. So if I was looking for turnarounds, I would run across GE here. They did do a CEO change. So uh, that was in October of this year. So just a couple months ago, they got rid of Flannery and then brought in the new CEO, Culp. And all he had a turnaround. Well, the old CEO had the turnaround plan that was approved by the board. We have Culp in there. He's probably getting comfortable still, but so far they're still following the old turnaround plan. GE this last quarter did cut its dividend all the way just down to one cent a share. And they are going to devote all that money to restructuring. They're going to save $3.9 billion per year. They're going to retain that in cash flow to help with the restructuring. They are still reorganizing the power unit in, or the power unit into two different units. And 
Um, the restructuring of all these things is still taking place in the first 100 days of the new CEO's term. So that's pretty ambitious, actually. But I like it that he has like some kind of plan. Now, GE shares are now trading at 10 times. So this is much more of a true value stack. We've looked at it in the past about whether or not it was a value or value trap. I'm not looking at it from the trap angle for this podcast. I'm just looking at it as a turnaround. But this does definitely have turnaround characteristics. And um, it's all going to come down to, do you uh, believe in the management and will they be able to execute? Now, some turnarounds are kind of make or break or do or die, as I like to call them. I feel like GE might be one of those. JCPenney definitely is, I believe. Like this, if this turnaround, this latest one, because <laughs> this has been a couple, if this latest one doesn't work, it it may not be good for the company. That's all I'm going to say. So um, a lot of do or die situations that is risky. And so you have to know that as an investor. And one other thing I like to look at just on the side, I don't know if I'd really call this a criteria, but maybe is that if you want a little added reassurance about where the company is headed, check to see if any insiders are buying because a lot of the turnaround stocks, the stock is depressed. Are any of those in management who are putting this turnaround play into, uh, you know, executing it, are they believers in what they're doing? Because if these shares go down cheap enough, the insiders should see them as a deal and they should believe enough in the turnaround that they want to get in because, again, the insiders are greedy. So if they're not buying the shares when they hit new lows or as the turnaround plan progresses, <laughs> that's kind of a bad sign. So one of those stocks that I've been watching for a while that is in the turnaround, um, but the insiders have not been buying is at Pier 1. Ticker is P-I-R. And I kind of like Pier 1. I'm a shopper there and I hope they succeed with this turnaround. They're trying to get some new product in the door. They're redoing um, the store layouts and like ambiance and things and um, getting rid of the, some of the old inventory. That's all good. But I haven't seen any of the insiders buying in there. And so if they're not even buying the turnaround and the stock is under $2 here, then why should I be buying it? That's my question. So I've been watching this one because if the insiders were buying, I might be interested, but they're not right now, but that's ticker Pier 1, PIR there. So value investors often like these turnarounds like I do, like I confessed. I do like the turnaround stocks. They're fun. They're usually beaten down. Wall Street is fleeing them. So it has kind of a value component even if it doesn't have the value fundamentals. And so I'm drawn to that. I'm sure most of you are too. And you kind of have to have a contrarian streak to be buying these because everyone else is running away. Like the herd is like galloping. Right now in General Electric, people can't get rid of it fast enough, basically. That's why you keep hitting these lows. If you go on a place like StockTwits, all the, all the tweets about it will be like, this stock is horrible. It's doomed. It's never turning around. Like you'll see that on almost every turnaround stock. You'll see all the negative Nellies out there. So you have to have a strong uh, belief in it yourself. You have to have a strong stomach to handle if the stock continues to slide further. You have to make sure you're checking the financials of any turnaround because a lot of turnarounds 
are in financial problems as well, make sure, you know, they can continue the business that they have the proper, um, loans or credit quality in place. Some do, some don't. Uh, the thing that I wanted to point out about Etsy was the financial side was always pretty good there. Um, they have gotten more of that in order now. That's why they're doing the share buyback because they got that cash flow going and they have over 300 million cash on hand now. So I like all of that. I like companies that are paying down the debt while they're doing the turnaround. That's a good sign. Asina Group is doing some of that, getting rid of some of their debt. So keep those things in mind when you're looking at the turnaround and keep the criteria in mind. Remember, um, those criteria are you can... The first one is you can find the Zach's rank or you can find the turnarounds using the Zach's rank number fives sometimes, but usually you can. You should look for a change in management, usually the CEO, but sometimes even more than that. You should look for a strong brand because there's not going to be a turnaround if no one wants to buy the product or believes in the company. So strong branding and then look for um, the strategy that they're laying it out, that they're moving towards executing it and completing goals towards that strategy because that is key. And um, if you do that, you might find some interesting turnarounds for 2019 because uh, some of these are in the midst of them right now. And that's going to continue on into next year. So let's recap the tickers that I talked about on this episode because there's quite a few. So there was Etsy, E-T-S-Y, well underway with its turnaround now. Uh, JCPenney, JCP, we had Papa John's, P-Z-Z-A. There was Sears, um, but I don't think that even has, is it even trading? I don't know, but I'm not going to recommend that one. Um, Lulu, I think it is, but Lulu is the better uh, one there with the stronger brand, L-U-L-U, Asina Group, A-S-N-A, Blue Apron is A-P-R-N, GE, of course, is GE, and then we had Snap, S-N-A-P. So a lot going on with the turnarounds. Not everybody's going to be successful, but I like them. I like looking for those deals and those uh, overlooked stocks that maybe are going to come through with a big turn. So um, I'll be keep looking for these in 2019, and I'm sure I'll have some more episodes and some more podcasts on the turnarounds in 2019. You don't want to miss a single episode. You can subscribe on several places. We're on um, Spotify as a standalone show. You can get the Value Investor podcast as itself there on Spotify. You can also get us on Apple Podcasts or you can get two for one on SoundCloud under the Zach's Market Edge. Look for us there under Zach's Market Edge. You'll get the Market Edge podcast plus the Value Investor podcast. That's a lot of stock picks every week, but I hope you're tuning in somewhere to some of our podcasts here at Zach's because things are going to heat up into 2019 and you don't want to miss a single thing. So I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks.